Are you in the HubSpot ecosystem and looking to engage with the industrial and manufacturing space? Are you in the industrial and manufacturing space looking to learn more about how HubSpot can elevate your business? Join Chris and Salim, two HubSpot solution partners with 25 years in the industrial and manufacturing space, as they explore the intersection of these two worlds. Through interviews with experts from both ecosystems, they will attempt to bridge the gap in the largest market we know today. This podcast is an independent production by Conveying Your Message and is not affiliated with or endorsed by HubSpot. The views, opinions, and positions expressed by the hosts and guests are theirs alone and do not reflect the views, opinions, or positions of HubSpot Incorporated. Any HubSpot employees appearing as guests on this podcast are not representing HubSpot in any official capacity and are sharing their own personal opinions. Welcome to Sprockets and Gears, the unofficial HubSpot industrial podcast. Hey everybody, on today's episode of Sprockets and Gears, we are joined by the founder of Workflow, Christopher Barnett. Thanks for being here, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you could, uh, take a moment, uh, intro yourself. Yeah, I am the uh, founder of Workflow, like you said. I am a uh, HubSpot community champion, uh, diamond tier partner, soon to be elite, fun fact. Uh, HubSpot certified trainer, partner advisory council member, and the Houston hug leader. So very embedded in the HubSpot ecosystem, the uh, live and breathe HubSpot. Awesome. Welcome. Thank you. So it was great to, you know, see you at Inbound. You know, it doesn't feel like that long ago. Somehow it's been a few months. Uh, It's exciting for for us to be there as our first time. And just the energies, energy, I think, is unmatched. Um, and the cool thing coming out of that is just, it's very clear on the direction that HubSpot, you know, wants to go in terms of, you know, full customer platform, a bunch more customization, you know, AI, all that exciting stuff. Um, but when it comes to like full platform offerings, customization, you know, uh, there's this, there's this kind of battle sometimes between standardization and customization out of the box, you know from uh you know blank slate all these different things so when when hubspot from the hubspot perspective you know what do these what does this movement mean to you like in terms of platform and customization and and how how we can deliver it to you know to our audience yeah i think uh one of the key takeaways that i found from yamini's speech on partner day actually was partner-led growth is really the key to HubSpot swimming up market. And I think that a big part of that is that customization side of the CRM and the platform for the customers that are using HubSpot um, versus just using the out-of-the-box tools. I mean, the out-of-the-box tools are great, but ultimately you see more success when you build HubSpot as a solution for your customers, not just as you know an out-of-the-box tool-like configuration. When it's used as the engine to drive that business to that next level, that's when it's really powerful. Yeah. So when you say as a solution, could you just dig into that a little bit for us? Yeah, it's uh, one of the one of the things that I you know harp on about on LinkedIn and different podcasts is uh, solution selling is a, is a big one for me. And so uh, solution selling is you know posing the actual product as a solution for the customer. So it's not just thinking about the pain points they're experiencing now. It's thinking about how HubSpot can be a full suite solution across marketing, sales, service, you know, every team member, every process, every platform that's integrated with HubSpot essentially drives the business to that North Star goal, right? So figuring out 
if I want to become a billion dollar company, how does HubSpot factor into the roadmap to get me there? Not just solving my pain points now, but solving the pain points and going beyond. That's really what solution selling is. Right. And that seems to be a little bit different from how the HubSpot ecosystem, I think, has approached maybe offering HubSpot to the market. You know, we've, I've, I've, I've been a HubSpot customer since 2017, but I've only been a partner, you know, for a few months. And it's, it's pretty clear, well, I'm super excited by the vision of platform and me myself has implemented, you know, every hub available to me, like in all the implementations that I've done, it looks like there's some gaps in the ecosystem as far as what a full platform means. So, uh, not only from the solution perspective, like help, help break down the differences between, you know, selling a full platform offering versus maybe you know you need something to do your marketing you need something to do your sales service like can you can you dig yeah. into that for me yeah i think it boils down to those that are driven by revenue operations revops for short and those that aren't so it's the the new day and age of how you define your customer journey is through a revops lens meaning that if you're still working with siloed teams of marketing is over here sales is over here and customer service customer success is over here you have a disconnected you know, process internally and therefore a disconnected customer journey. And so this is where this, the happiness of your customers is fully attributable to how successful you are at RevOpsing your own business. And so this is where the people, platforms, and processes, if they're connected through a platform like HubSpot, it makes your customer journey all that more measurable and impactful for the users. So this is where you know, RevOps is really the key differentiator between those that are really successful with HubSpot and those that, you know, just kind of use it for, you know, marketing automation and nothing else. If you can see that full data, see that full visibility throughout each stage of that customer journey, that's where it becomes really valuable from both a strategic perspective and you know, overall impact on revenue in the business. I love that you talk about RevOps uh, in a lot of industries, including ours. That seems to be a very a new uh, concept. Uh when workflow uh, is engaged by by a prospect and you're exploring and you learn that they don't do RevOps, they're very siloed, uh, which way do you go? Do you go through the education to try to get them to embrace RevOps and help them? Or do you usually disqualify them? And just can you talk us through how workflow goes about this situation? Yeah, usually um, what, the, what the workflow team does uh, now and what we will continuously do is, is educate on what the impact of RevOps is on the business. Because most people, like I imagine in your industry or the niche that you guys are targeting, um, really don't know what RevOps is, but they're likely doing a smaller version of RevOps already, whether that's in the form of, you know, how do I understand how my sales team is performing with the data that I have in my current systems? Or, you know, what's the process for someone, you know, delivering a, you know, machine to a customer, whatever it is, right? And so there's likely some small facets of RevOps built into their current business. So it's a matter of how do you make that user understand you're already kind of doing RevOps, here's how you can expand on it across every vertical in your business, across every touch point, across every platform and person inside of uh, you know, your company. So it's where educating them, especially in those niche verticals, is really showing them, here's what you're doing right, here's how you can do it better. Are you seeing like people adopt that phrase or is it just maybe updating their practices? A little bit. I think they see the value in it when you get uh, the visibility into real-time performance. So, you know, marketing is a, you know, 
big word that gets thrown around, but it's also probably the most complex out of the three, you know, areas that we've talked about marketing, sales, customer service, because marketing really touches all areas of that uh, journey. So you, you know, touch that top of funnel, you can nurture mid funnel, and then you can recycle or re-nurture in that like customer service, customer success stage. And so when they see the impact via, you know, attribution models in HubSpot or customer journey reports in the account, that's where the visibility takes that business to a new level because they can understand, here's how my channels are performing. Here's how they are or aren't driving revenue for the business. And here's how I can optimize my spend or my strategy to lean into the verticals that are performing well for me. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, as they adjust towards that, what are the what are the usual first moves they make or maybe you recommend, you know, either way you want to go there? Yeah, um, first moves is really just ensuring that HubSpot is the engine for everything. And so it's, you know, you, you can't expect to measure the success of the strategies or, you know, initiatives that you have in the business without a platform to measure it. <laughs> that makes sense. So if you're not measuring your success, if you're not reporting on, you know, your general performance, you're flying blind is the common term that we that we hear in the ecosystem. And so when you're flying blind, you're unable to make decisions. And ultimately, data drives decisions, and we want to focus on the most actionable data. And HubSpot gives you the visibility to find that actionable data and pivot your strategy accordingly. So step one in that process is find the CRM. We prefer HubSpot, obviously, uh, that can give you the actionable data in real time. Okay, it's interesting so you got... mentioned uh, the finding the CRM. Uh, have you been in situations where there's an existing CRM that is kind of in the way of getting that vision uh, across the finish line, uh, a CRM that is not HubSpot? Uh, yeah. how, what, is, what is your approach to you know tackling that situation do you do you try to work around it or do you work on educating on and helping them get out of that situation and have hubspot in place yeah that's a it's a good question so this is where uh solution selling is uh you know not just getting everyone on board with hubspot and that's the last platform that you'll ever use it's a matter of hubspot is the engine that can take you to where you want to go but if it means that you have to use other platforms this is where the beauty of integration comes into play so imagine in your industry vertical that you're targeting, you're heavily reliant upon ERPs, if I had to guess. And Correct. so ERP integrations with HubSpot are absolutely necessary. Like we have customers in this, in this vertical, in this space as well. And we always integrate the ERP with HubSpot for things like inventory management, live tracking of like what's in stock and how the sales team can pull you know, that without having to go into another system. And so um, usually it's a matter of figuring out, I kind of reiterate the phrase, here's what you're doing right, here's how it can be better. And this is where usually the solution there is your ERP is giving you this visibility. Here's how we can integrate that visibility with HubSpot to give you, you know, X, Y, and Z in the sales process. How about the personnel or, you know, the people that you're usually working with? Because I think what one of the challenges I've experienced for sure is that, you know, you know, marketing or the marketing guy is generally first to see, you know, these issues because we got to start talking to the customers more. It's often an initial ask, like, how do we market to our customers? And then, you know, it's like, well, uh, can I have a list of our current customers? And I can't get it out of the ERP. Um, so we find a bunch of, let's say, places for improvement. And marketing's not really in charge of any of those places. Mm -hmm. So do you see companies moving towards, um, like, an ownership of the complete system are, are the successful ones, you know, building a, a group of stakeholders that manage it? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it, um, the first thing I'll say is that each use case is different, 
right? And so it depends on the use case. But for the majority in the perfect world, um, usually each of the stakeholders are united by one common goal, and that's driving revenue. Whether you're in marketing, whether you're in sales, whether you're in customer service, customer success, which is more revenue retainment, um, your common KPI across the entire team and business is driving positive revenue, right? How can you become more profitable? And so this is where when you have the group of stakeholders that have influence on revenue all inside of the system, as in HubSpot is the uniting system that brings everyone together, that's when it is extremely powerful and that's when you get the buy-in. When it's not a matter of marketing owns this and there's friction between marketing and sales because sales doesn't think that marketing drives leads, when they're united in the same system and sales sees the value of what HubSpot's functionality and offerings you know, can bring to the table from an enablement perspective, that's where it becomes really valuable because marketing, sales, and service are working together in tandem through, through HubSpot. So how do you help companies uh, achieve that alignment? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, understanding the pain points and the goals of where uh, the company needs to get to, right? And so usually the pain points from a marketing standpoint um, usually boil down to functionality where it's like lack of visibility, you know, automation, things like that. Whereas the sales uh, pain points that we see are usually in things like, well, marketing is not driving leads, right? Marketing is not doing this or, you know, I don't want to do manual data entry, things like that. Luckily, solving for those, you know, use cases and going beyond that as well with solution selling is really easy because HubSpot offered a lot of those, you know, pain point solutions out of the box. And so solving for that is really just showing you Here's proof of concept based upon what I know about your pain points, and here's what I recommend to go beyond that to help you even further. So not only are we solving the pain points now and like patching the hole in the boat, we're going to drive you to that North Star goal, right? We're going to get you there based upon what we think is, is best practice for you through a RevOps lens. Christopher, we're, we're learning a lot here. Uh, <laughs> some some yes. really, like, it. it's very well laid out, very simple. It sounds like you've you've done this a lot, and we, we're, we're sure... You do. Um, uh, I've been a user and I've been a RevOps specialist uh, in, in a couple of companies for a while. And a lot of my recommendations before I became partner were like, let's keep it out of the box, off the shelf as much as we can. Let's mm -hmm. let HubSpot teach us how to do the process versus trying to wrangle HubSpot to do what our usual paper process usually is. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, in at inbound uh, this year, uh, HubSpot came out with a lot of customization tools that kind of brings HubSpot, you know, in parity with other uh, software that usually sell themselves on that customizability. Um, what has been uh, Workflow's approach on, you know, off the shelves versus customizability and finding that that balance? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I get asked this most often in relation to lifecycle stages in HubSpot. So a lot of people ask, should I use the off-the-shelf lifecycle stages that HubSpot offers, or should I go the custom route? And so the, the common RevOps phrase that you'll hear is, well, it depends, right? And then you ask a bunch <laughs> of questions to kind of define the use case from then. But um, I typically like to go the custom route because ultimately, you know, if there is an off-the-shelf solution for everyone, then partner world wouldn't exist, right? We wouldn't be here chatting right now because the thing that we specialize in as partners, and this is everyone in the entire ecosystem, is how can we configure HubSpot to meet your use case? How can we design it to ensure that it is a solution for your specific customer journey? Because not all businesses are the same, even in the same vertical. I mean, I imagine you guys deal with this a lot where, you know, in the world of manufacturing, like everyone is different, right? Similar goals, similar processes, but there's always nuances that make everyone unique. 
And that needs to be factored in whenever you're building out a HubSpot as a solution for these companies. Yeah, and that's kind of what concerns me overall um, because while all these companies are different, like the customers all want the same stuff generally. And that's most, and why I think ERPs usually fall short is they're not good at communicating anything externally, Mm -hmm. basically. And the customers just want to know what's going on throughout the process every time, like from all the way from filling out the form on the website through the package, you know, showing up at their door. Right. And so where's the line for you? Cause when I, um, don't get me wrong. I, I think there was a ways to go prior to this year in terms of customizability of the system. Yeah. But when I see that as a primary message out of inbound, you know, I think HubSpot got to where it was because you couldn't necessarily customize everything. And when we show up and these instances of either homegrown systems or Salesforces or ERPs, because you can start with a blank slate, yeah. you do, and you build anything you want, you create this just maintenance, just beast, right? Exactly. So where's the, where's the line for you guys as far as you know, how far do we go with this customization, you know, versus, um, you know, some, whatever standardization we can provide. Yeah. I think it goes back to, uh, you know, the questions that we ask during those robots engagements, which is, you know, we answer things with, it depends and ask a bunch of questions about it. One of the questions that we ask is, is this a, is this a common use case or is this like an edge case over here? Because if you're designing for edge cases, that's how you convolute the system. That's how you make, you know, very very complicated processes that are not going to scale because ultimately one of the things that we talk about in a RevOps engagement is edge cases don't take you to a billion dollar company, right? It's just, we don't need to boil the ocean within your uh, initial, uh, you know, HubSpot build. And so if you're boiling the ocean and factoring in every possible edge case and use case where if this is less than 1% of your total customer base, it's not worth factoring in. We don't need to spend time on this. Let's optimize for the primary use case that's going to take you to that North Star goal. Christopher, you just hit on a on a phrase that is somewhat uh, sensitive uh, <laughs> for Chris, boiling the ocean. Uh, it always feels like uh, whenever you're going into a new portal and you see opportunities for improvement everywhere across the whole process, mm-hmm. and you're you're just eager to like do a fix in each place. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that a lot of people feel like. Uh, this is not the best way to go. You need to focus on each piece. Uh, how how do you, do you approach? Like, do you do a bit of everything? Do you focus on one piece first and then do the next? Take us through your process. Yeah, it's a good question. So it's I like to think about it from a customer perspective, right? And so if we know that there's a hundred things that need to be fixed inside of this HubSpot account, right, or in the ERP, whatever it is. Um, the customer is not going to be able to keep up with that velocity of changes if you fix all 100 within one week or two weeks, right? And so this is where we have adapted the way that we train our customers on changes to have gradual uh, training along the way. So as we are fixing things in the account, we're training in real time. That way you're getting training in bite-sized pieces versus 100 functions at once, or you're going to remember eight to 12 of those and then forget about the rest and probably never use them again. That bite-sized training and showing them how to do it along the way is a lot more of like a hand-holding structure in that in that use case. What we also do is if we notice that there's you know a hundred different things that are wrong in the account, 
which are you know which of those items have the biggest impact on revenue or or are attributing the most to the pain points that the customer has defined to us right so we know that the building is on fire where is the largest you know part of that fire being driven from so let's fix that first prioritize the items that will have the most positive impact and then trickle down from there and train along the way gradually i can see wheels spinning (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean this is it's it's getting at the heart of you know you know some of these companies they're just so far behind uh and it's not really their fault right they they've been doing something that has worked for a long time very successfully and now they just kind of have have been thrust into this you know new buyer behavior you know new within the last 5 years let's say and uh either the same things aren't working uh as, as in terms of like exposure and you know, new, new business coming in or they're just overwhelmed with, you know, the current, you know, stuff like onshoring and, and the the manufacturing coming back to the U S and just like business is good in a lot, a lot of places, but, but too good. Right. And since they haven't adapted, um, like they're just being overwhelmed by, you know, customer calls and, and the new needs, I guess the new expectations. Um, so I love that, that thought of, can you, the transition that you made, like you mentioned, you updated the training and like kind of the, the piece by piece approach, what was, what started happening to you guys to cause you to, you know, evolve in that way? Yeah. Um, we, you know, one of our KPIs during onboarding is ensuring that the customer knows how to use HubSpot, uh, you know, top to bottom. And so. Ultimately, one of our KPIs is, you know, you shouldn't have a reliance upon us to use HubSpot on a day-to-day basis. So if you know how to use, you know, everything, every function that's related to your job role, that means we did our jobs, right? So what we were seeing is if we save all the training towards the very end, we're, you know, if we do 90 days of onboarding, right? If we finish all of your marketing hub stuff in week three, that means that you know it's all it's been 70-ish days since that you've even seen some of the marketing up aspects. So it's likely not fresh. So it's a bit of an optimization from our own internal processes, meaning that you know we want to make sure that while it's still fresh in your brain, let's train you on it so that you can gradually use it over the course of the rest of onboarding. And one was speed of activation is really important for customers. They don't want to buy this system and then be locked out of it for 90 days. And so if we can show that there's proof of value, you know, right from the get-go by configuring some functions and giving it to them to go and use, you know, very early on, they see the value of HubSpot right from the get-go, meaning that it becomes a more sticky platform for the other team members that are, you know, next in line to start using HubSpot. And so that's how you really increase that engagement and enablement across different teams as well, because when you hear that sales is loving HubSpot and they, you know, find that it's so easy because everything's automated or whatever, the marketing team is going to be, you know, kind of interested because sales never really said that before or vice versa if it's the marketing. So this is where we found that speed of activation caused us to make that transition as well as just general enablement side of the account. Right. And I think you touched on a key point there is understanding uh, all the stakeholders that that can get touched by this. Because this is like, you know, one of the reasons I love HubSpot is it can often move mountains uh, where there was no chance in the past and um, again, why like some of the customization is great, but we don't necessarily want to, you know, permission the hell out of the system either so that we can create the silos that, you know, were causing the issues before. Um, so understanding those stakeholders, 
how do you go about, you know, managing the focus versus like seeing those opportunities? Because I think this is where the ecosystem could use some help in understanding, okay, you've been offering marketing and sales services maybe, but this is where, you know, the, the, the many levels of what a platform can do for a customer take us through some of the opportunities, but also some of the, some, the pitfalls if you don't, you know, understand that, you know, full system approach. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I mentioned that we try to start with the customer in mind and work backwards from there. Um, I think another big part of that is, I mean, my team can attest to this. I say this all the time, design with the end state in mind, meaning that, you know, again we don't want to solve just the pain points now and then you know we're done because there's always going to be new pain points there's always going to be new things that need to be solved so designing with the end state is really that driving factor that gets us to where we need to go and that's how we stay focused on the roadmap um in addition it's it's a matter of factoring in if we're going for the end state what does the journey look like leading up to that end state and so even with you know your industry i imagine you're dealing with those that are either technologically you know challenged if you will where it's it's hard to show the power of HubSpot because some people are still doing pen and paper type of stuff. But imagine a lot of those people don't know that you know, 35% of the workforce is now millennials. Millennials are all driven by tech. And so if you're not keeping up with your customer base as it's evolving, your business will fall behind. So even like I'll throw another stat at you uh, from the solution selling course in the HubSpot Academy, shout out, 60% uh, of people distrust the integrity of sales reps. People don't like being sold to. It's very, very simple. This is why car dealerships have such a negative reputation where it's like they don't like being sold to some people are slimy and stuff like that and so if you're not changing the way that you approach your customers with what the data is telling you either from your own ecosystem or from your crm you're always going to you know be short from where that roadmap needs to be or from that north star goal and so i think it's kind of twofold knowing what the end state is knowing what the roadmap looks like to get there and how it's going to change and focusing on the actionable data through the systems and the people that are inside of your business. Yeah, I think that end state is, that's where it's just so key, you know, against the current state. Sometimes we don't even know where the current state is. Like we have to map that out and always best to start there. Um, but that end state, I think, is what is it currently evolving, you know, for a lot of partners in the ecosystem. And if you can, if you can take your mind there to like a full customer experience, approach just the world opens up and this becomes i think this is like very right tool right time kind of thing you know companies have been struggling for years with digital transformation and a lot of it has to do with the way that these tools have been brought to the market the way they've been presented um and now you have a tool that really can manage the full customer experience in a way that, you know, I haven't seen before, right? And yeah. with, with usability and, you know, maintainability at the forefront. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit because uh, I'm not going to forget, you know, seeing you walk around a hotel with a huge you know, check. <laughs> a huge, maybe the first time I've seen a check that size in person. Uh, uh after you you won the you know the super uh 10k, 10K. pitch competition yeah. uh take us through the lead up to that um and you know how you guys how you guys won yeah i want to i want to add one thing we've yeah. talked at the beginning of the show about you know customizability 
uh, and your your pitch was was mind blowing, and it's all reliant on you know CRM out of the box. Uh, t- take us take us through that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, first, I'm glad that you saw me parade the streets of Boston with a giant check. That was a thrilling moment for me. Um, yeah. So the 10K pitch was solution selling at its finest. That's our best example that we've ever had of us building a solution for a vertical that has been historically difficult for HubSpot to target. And so you guys are in this same exact boat. And so this is where we designed a full enterprise level HubSpot account, a full growth suite enterprise account for a customer in the real estate vertical. And real estate is a very tricky industry because you have a reliance upon what's called the MLS. And that's basically your listing service for your homes, your properties, your rentals, whatever it is. Think of it Zillow, Redfin, stuff like that. That's, they use the MLS in that. And so when you're selling you know, commercial real estate or residential real estate, you have to integrate with MLS. And so for you guys, that's like the ERP is likely the equivalent of that. And so HubSpot is not considered to be a player in this game because the MLS is the you know, one software to use because that's your data, that's your source of truth. But what we built is a full enterprise account that has you know, off-the-shelf integrations with a platform called RealCity, which is native MLS integration, where we can plug in the data into HubSpot immediately to show you all the listings in your uh, actual city. And through the power of Super, we're able to productize that customized build, which sounds kind of interesting because we talked about the off-the-shelf functionality versus the customizable functionality. We customize the account and then productize it with Super, meaning that we can deploy this I mean, I did, a, I did a deployment, I think it was five minutes and 19 seconds on stage where I called a customer. And, uh, you know, enterprise-level onboarding for our customers of that size take three months plus. And we did it live on stage in five minutes, showing you the power of how we can customize for the majority of the use case, including the nuances, while overcoming the barrier of integration. Because of a huge, huge pain point for a lot of industries is, you know, the necessity for an integration inside of the account. And so we're able to productize that with a build that makes all the difference uh, with making the customer successful. So yeah, leading up to that, it was a lot of strategy. It was a lot of, you know, customer interviews, a lot of just understanding the use case and the pain points and how this can solve for the pain points they experience now and also propel them to become a much larger and, and better business through the power of HubSpot. Yeah, that's uh, super inspiring. And I was really glad to see that because uh, I think that's what brings us kind of full circle in that you know, initially I saw some, and probably still there's some ongoing debate of, you know, whether you walk in, you know, with a pre-made solution, you know, starting from scratch. I think it's, again, it's going to depend, but if you, if you can start to narrow down and, you know, even remove some of the variables in play, like once you start to get to know your customer base so well, it's really a disservice to them if you walk in you know, starting from scratch every time. And that's where there's definitely opportunities, especially with tools like Super, to really innovate on the productization, you know, of the whole platform. Um, I think overall, it's the challenge is that it's so easy to productize HubSpot, you know, piecemeal. Now, I, what I'm excited about is really creating these, you know, these full full customer lifecycle solutions and, and not in a, in a silo either. Right. You know, you're using, you know, multiple tools in that process. And I think that's, 
that's a spot where I look forward to the ecosystem, you know, continuing to build, um, you know, collaborative mindsets, collaborative activities, because there's a bunch of smart people doing smart things all over the place right now. And when we think of things like, you know, let's say a possible manufacturing platform in the future, we are not that, that far away from that, in my opinion. And it's because of the work going on in multiple different spots of the ecosystem and HubSpot itself. So it's, it's something, you know, really exciting. And, uh, if you, we know that HubSpot, you know, is definitely going to rely on the partners for that vertical, you know, ownership. And it's just an exciting time to be able to offer this stuff. Have you, like, are there any, are there any other use cases that you want to, you know, share outside of real estate? Uh, we've got a couple cooking right now for the uh, the next pitch at Inbounds 2024, but uh, th- that's the main one that we're focusing on as of now. I think we've uh, made a pivot slightly with our super usage to go kind of hub by hub. And so uh, there's always things that you do during onboarding for the hubs that you're onboarding for customers that are you know, just, just staple items, right? So for marketing, it's like your marketing contacts versus non-marketing contacts status, those types of workflows, general dashboards, things like that. And so one of the value props, touching on what you said before from our super pitch was, what does this mean for partners? And for partners using a platform like Super to you know, have this deployment of you know, pre-built, productized, customized uh, solutions is it gives you more time to innovate. It gives you more time to focus on the nuances, be more strategic with your onboarding because you're not having to focus on the monotony of all the general things that are just, cool, now I got to go create eight reports, this dashboard, I got to label it with this taxonomy, blah, blah, blah. If I can just deploy that and not worry about it, my time is better spent focusing on the more strategic items that can help solve for the customer. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted uh, to ask uh, from three months to five minutes. That's a that's that's a very exciting uh, prospect. Like a lot of time that is you won back. How has that changed uh, the way you go about business at Workflow? Like uh, as as young partners uh, looking to climb the ranks. We would love to learn from your experience. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I've, I've seen immediate impact with using Super in a couple of different ways. One is it allows you to take on more customers at once, right? And give them the same level of service and quality inside of onboarding, meaning that your onboarding time is, you know, cut down exponentially, as well as, you know, you're not losing value in that process. Because a lot of the things that we see, like, especially when I was starting out, is lots of people tie time spent to value. And that's not really how it works, especially in the service you know, world where just because I spend more time on it doesn't mean that it's more valuable to you. If anything, if I do it in a quicker time frame and it's still the equivalent value, it's a, it's a more valuable offering. I mean, it should be more expensive. And so I think that uh, it's, you know, it's twofold. It's more customers at once, so higher you know, customer frequency and you know, greater quality of onboarding in the sense of being able to innovate for those customers to a more granular degree versus before. Yeah, and I think like maybe to put it a little bit differently, because this is the challenges that we had, and especially I had bringing modern marketing to the inside of organizations is that it's generally not the tools that get in the way. That's where the the pain is experienced often from the tools, but that the people and the processes involved and these big implementations, the time spent is usually in like the tool, the tool side, it's very easy to go and feel like you're being productive. And, you know, so being able to automate 
and make time for the real relationships because that's how you innovate, right? You innovate by truly understanding the pain points and, and going beyond and you can only do that. Like that's something that you can't hack, right? That you have to spend time with your customers. You have to spend time thinking about the problems and that's what, you know, I'm excited about from a perspective of like, let's figure out as many of the variables we, as we can beforehand so that we can get to the customer and, and truly innovate, you know, with their, their specific solution. So I love hearing that. Um, I have a question as, uh, as you have less time, uh, doing implementation and more time focusing on, you know, customer, uh, training, uh, as a young partner, we're still like figuring out uh, the balance between because HubSpot has a has a wealth of knowledge between the HubSpot Academy, the HubSpot knowledge base, and our own expertise. At Workflow, how uh, what what kind of balance do you strike between sending uh, users to a knowledge base or sending them or requiring them like, hey, you need to hit these courses versus you doing uh, in person or even if you have an on-demand training that is produced by Workflow. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, this is where uh, I learned this from my HubSpot certified trainer course, actually. Uh, learning styles are a big thing with people. And so from what I understand based upon our current customer base, not many people like to go to the knowledge base and read a big article on how to do X, Y, and Z. Just they lose interest, they don't follow it, and they want to be you know, just shown how to do it and or have someone else do it themselves. Uh, we found that our sweet spot is through like Loom videos or just general screen share recordings of you know the solution. And what we've done is we've j built this giant library of essentially every HubSpot function and how to do it inside of a demo account. Meaning you know this is how you can change lifecycle stages. This is how you can create workflows. Here's a basic eight-minute video on an automation strategy in HubSpot. And so uh, we have that available to our customers now, and, and we see lots of activity in it because typically it's more user-friendly and a better solution than like a knowledge base article is because they can just walk along or like watch along on their screen and just kind of follow us as we uh, do whatever we need to do inside that Loom video. And so there is a fine line between showing them how to doing, like I guess giving them a fish versus teaching them to fish sort of thing. Um, but we find the, the Loom video is a good sweet spot between those. And uh, with HubSpot being such an ever-evolving product, like last year, uh, was it like almost 2,000 product updates? Uh, yeah. how do you keep, uh, your existing, you know, training, training database, uh, up to date, uh, and how do you decide which part to tackle and which part to, you know, it's fine if this specific piece of uh, information is out of date for now. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we gauge that based upon how applicable the new product update is to our current customer base. And so. Uh, there's always small updates that come out where it's where we think you know that's cool but not really applicable now. Um, whereas there's giant updates like conditional properties, like we roll that out to everyone in our customer base, and so things like that uh, are are ones that we add to the Loom library, and I'll post it on LinkedIn and stuff like that pretty much immediately. So I think we gauge the quality of it based upon how applicable it is. But yeah, I mean, I I want to keep up with the velocity of product updates, and I get asked this question a lot, where you know people. Kind of get frustrated with the velocity of product updates and my my counter question is like well HubSpot doesn't have to listen to their customers if they don't want to you know they don't have to release product updates so if anything we're in a very luxurious position to be able to have you know each of these product updates and have a company that is so willing to listen to their customers and deploy these updates usually free of charge they just happen to go into the accounts and you know, play with them as needed that's i mean a, a pretty cool 
pretty cool thing from such a big company, what I always say. I, I have to admit, uh, the conditional properties, uh, it was a funny anecdote. Like, I, when I saw the update, I, w I was, like, jumping in my seat, like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then my wife's looking at me, he's like, what's the matter? Like, like conditional update, uh, conditional properties, like, yeah, what's the deal? It's like, we never had those. Like, yeah. It's it's just it's something that us HubSpot users yeah. can get excited about, like the outside world. It's like, yeah, they, they just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, they just don't get it. <laughs> so, I'd like to do some some rapid fire at the end. Okay. Um, uh, I have to figure out a good name for this uh, segment, but uh, in terms of HubSpot tools or, or uses, uh, most underrated tool in your opinion. Uh, I'll do hub and then I'll do tool. Most underrated hub, operations hub by far. Most most powerful most powerful hub to drive a business in my opinion. Gives you the ability to integrate, format data, keep your CRM clean autonomously. Very, very powerful. Uh, most underrated tool as of now, prospecting hub. Prospecting hub is newer to sales hub uh, and fully enables sales teams to understand the difference between leads, deals, and general book of business management from top to bottom. It's funny how everyone who has Operations Hub got in in a bundle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I don't think many people understand the power of it. I mean, it, it's, it's, speaking of that Loom library, I'll share it with you guys. There's some cool stuff that we've done with OpsHub and that Loom library. Yeah. It really is starting to enable scale like at a new level. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, we're, we're building it into our solutions and it's going to be a key piece. Um, uh, most overrated tool. Ooh, overrated tool. Um, ooh, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't see a lot of overrated tools, but maybe if I had to guess one, it would be like the customer portal, like some of the CMS hub aspects. I think that uh, HubSpot probably has some ground to make up there, which is why WordPress is still kind of the king in the world of CMS. HubSpot just needs to, I think, bring the price down of what CMS Hub costs transparently because the functionality is great, but a lot of people don't use it because of that cost and they justify that through the use of like customer portals or membership logins, stuff like that. Like those aren't that special to justify the cost in my opinion. And so most overrated, yeah, Hub, CMS, and then specific function customer portal. Wow. Chris, Not can we delete late. this piece? <laughs> can we delete this oh, yeah. piece? <laughs> No, that's fair. Um, uh, we agree most... with you. We, like we would love, we would love for it to come down in price because we we are using it to uh, create our product, and it's like we would love like the barrier to entry right now for us is that 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 big price like that big uh, price tag of yeah. like yeah we would love this solution, but there's a prerequisite which is this this enterprise level hub. That we need to, to buy so exactly <clears throat> yeah um we expect it to be uh i think that being said there's a surprising lack of knowledge on what you can do with it in conjunction with the crm and like we're getting some some good feedback early on of the way that you can offer it as a product uh i think it's gonna it does you know once you overcome the cost like it gets HubSpot into some places that had like no chance before just because no matter what kind of ERP or CRM they might have, you know, their website usually is not, not looking good. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, sometimes they can't even touch it themselves. So using it for that uh, has opened some doors. Um, most misunderstood tool. Oh, oh, it has to, it has to be the use of lifecycle stages, lead statuses, lead objects, and lead scoring collectively. <laughs> the amount of questions that we get during onboarding where people ask, well, why is there both lifecycle stage and lead status and lead stage and lead object? How does that differ from a deal? Blah, blah, blah. I think generally misunderstood just because of the way that it's named, especially those that are coming from other incumbent CRMs, as I'll phrase it. Uh, they just, they're not able to translate from what it means in this system to this system. And so misunderstood um, function, definitely like the lifecycle stages, lead status and stuff like that. Misunderstood hub, uh, I would throw CMS in there uh, again. I mean, this is why uh, Jennifer Nixon on my team, shout out, she's the foremost CMS expert in the HubSpot ecosystem. Every time she, so she shows me something in CMS, I'm like blown away by what it can do. And so I think it's misunderstood because of that price tag, like you mentioned. Uh, and then OpsHub as well. OpsHub is just severely misunderstood in terms of what it can do. It's not just your your data formatting or your you know commission calculating workflows, whatever you want to call it. It's it's the integration and the hub that brings all of the other hubs together. I mean, it's it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, your top wish list item. Ooh, top wish list item. Um. I mean, conditional properties were on my list for a very long time. That was at the top for ages. I mean, so, so long. My top wish list item, lookup field in HubSpot on all objects, having the ability to look up other objects to another one. I mean, theoretically, you can do that through the associations, but having the ability to create a property that has a lookup field for other items in the CRM, very powerful. Now that you mention it, uh, as a heavy user of Excel, I've done some really amazing gymnastics using lookups and now you're opening my eye to how much things we could be doing with a lookup property yeah. uh, dynamically that that dynamically adjusts based on changing data in the system yeah we have a uh, an ad hoc solution right now with ops hub and cms hub actually where we actually have uh, an ops hub uh python script running uh in the background of a hubspot landing page with a form where you can go and search companies in the CRM for like partner registration. So you find your company, select it, and then it pre-fills all your data for you. It's pretty cool, but it's a lot of dev work to just create one simple thing, which is one lookup field. And so, yeah, lookup fields would be a great addition to the CRM. That would be a game changer for sure. Awesome. I think that's a, a good list. Uh, lastly, you know, because um, again, we're trying to educate on, you know, the, the platform side of things and what that means going forward for not only for users, but for the ecosystem itself. Um, what's one piece of advice you can give the, the ecosystem when it comes to, uh, you know, truly offering a complete solution or a complete platform to, to their clients? Yeah, um, I have a couple of things. So I remember when I started as a, as a partner, I mean, it, it, it's tough in the beginning stages. Right, it's just there's a lot of grinding that you have to do in order to get to that first, you know, gold tier or platinum, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think the one of the most important is revopsing your own business, right? So revopsing your own agency, and so this is where it's very common in the agency world. Even I deal with this now. We are our own like last priority. We are bottom of our priority list right now. So like we do a really bad job of marketing ourselves. We do a really bad job of just keeping up with 
how do we keep the brand uh, you know consistent with the updates that we you know have in the system? And so revopsing your own business is a big one. Uh, in addition, having the processes defined, tying back into that RevOps uh, yourself. Um, for when you're doing discovery, having that playbook that you live by that collects all those pain points, all those you know goals, having the ability to apply your previous industry expertise and think of ideas and strategies to take that person from solving the pain points to going beyond and being able to offer those as part of that engagement to build your partnership with them, not just close a deal. And so that's really where it makes all the difference is when you're posing HubSpot as a solution, you're viewed as that solutions provider, solutions partner, you know, like the HubSpot uh, partnership program says. And so this is where you establish that relationship as a you know long-term provider through offering those solutions for your customers. Love it. Yeah. Partner up folks. Partner up. All right. Well, uh, this has been an awesome conversation, Chris. Uh, so good to have you on. Appreciate all the knowledge you've dropped. Um, where's the best place for, for people to find you? Yeah. LinkedIn is number one. I, uh, post on LinkedIn pretty often, try to drop knowledge bombs every now and then there. So, uh, follow me on LinkedIn and, uh, stay up to date with everything that workflow has going on there as well. Awesome. On that note, uh, thanks so much again, Chris, and we'll see everybody next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 